think he might have gotten the nickname at some point just for being a hairier than usual party guy. And he just sort of embraced it and was like, I'm the Wook. My band is called The Wooks. Greetings, everybody. Keith Billick here. Welcome to the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. It is kind of a wild time here at Picky Fingers HQ. And I guess to tell you about it, first off, I will apologize that this episode is going to be a couple days late. It didn't greet you on Monday like you might be accustomed to. Uh, On Sunday, we noticed that our internet was not working, which of course in this day and age is a first world emergency. And by Sunday night, we realized it was going to involve a mailing us a hardware uh, unit replacement and it became very apparent very quickly that Keith's podcast that he pours his little heart and soul into was not going to be ready in time. So I appreciate all of your patience. But as of last night, those sweet internet juices are flowing again, which brings me to the next item of craziness. I, I'm luckily having just enough of a window here to get this episode out before I depart for Delfest where I will be all weekend and hopefully bring you some interviews that I obtain there. And then as soon as I get back from that, I will be getting ready to go to Midwest Banjo Camp. So if any of you are going to be in any of those places, come track me down and say hey. And if you ask nicely, I'll have a cool Picky Fingers sticker to hand to you. So we've already learned that this podcast cannot go on without the internet, but We've known for a long time that this podcast cannot go on without support from listeners who go to patreon.com slash banjo podcast. This episode's special listener Patreon subscriber is Scott Wright. Scott, thank you so much for your generous support of the show. I really appreciate it. And it definitely helps for the rest of you head over to that site, patreon.com slash banjo podcast. It only costs a few bucks a month to support the show. That's less than a price of uh, a cup of coffee or a beer or a bottle of kombucha, whatever your fluid of choice is. You can get this for less and have the satisfaction of knowing that you're helping me out and you get cool stuff. I don't talk about this enough, but one of the prizes is you get uh, music tracks of my intro and outro music and included with those is banjo tablature for both of those pieces of music. You also get invited to monthly video hangouts, the VIP lounge for very important pickers. And some of you get the episode shout outs. So you can read all about it. Once again, patreon.com slash banjo podcast. Other ways to support the show, please like, rate, review, subscribe, you know, whatever your app lets you do. Track me down on the socials. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or just drop me a line anytime to give me some feedback or suggestions. I'm at pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com.
Today's featured guest is George Guthrie, a Nashville-based singer and banjo player who has been playing mainly these last several years with the Wooks. Now, in between this interview and when this episode is coming out, the Wooks actually announced that they are going on hiatus. So although you might not be able to see George perform with them, uh, at least not in the real near future, he will undoubtedly be adding his banjo talents to other groups around Nashville and around the country. Most notably, my former bandmate and good friend Joshua Rilko, whenever he puts a bluegrass band together, George is usually a part of that. And uh, I should clarify, Josh Rilko is my former bandmate, but still is a current good friend. I feel like that sounded weird. But anyway, George is definitely an up-and-coming banjo talent on both three-finger and claw hammer playing. And one other thing I should mention is my typical thanks to Otis Supply, which is a, a local venue here in Ferndale, Michigan. It's a great place to go see live music. They book bands like the Wooks and are always very gracious about letting me invade their space with my microphones and recording equipment to make these types of interviews possible. So thank you to them. And then also a disclaimer, you are going to hear some crowd noise in the background and that's just the, uh, the Otis vibe happening. So here it is. Enjoy the interview with George Guthrie. I'm from Connecticut originally. I was not a banjo player there. I did grow up playing music. I came from a somewhat musical house. My sisters and I took piano lessons as kids, and we were all really into music. But I was really the only one who was interested in pursuing it to any serious degree. So I started playing guitar in high school and got really into that. Was that bluegrass already? It was, yes. So when I was in high school, I went to a boarding school in Virginia, Mm -hmm. And before then, I had not heard any bluegrass really at all. I was into the Grateful Dead and some other, you know, maybe artists that could have been adjacent to bluegrass in some ways. So I, was, I think I knew that it was a genre. Yeah. <laughs> That's about all I knew. But when I got to this boarding school in, in Virginia, my guitar teacher was and still is a great musician. His name's Jesse Harper. He was in a band called Old School Freight Train yeah, back I'm in the familiar. day. Cool. And yep. he's in Love Cannon now. Is he's that right? He's in Love Cannon. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Yep. And uh, so he he kind of got me started on bluegrass. Or I think I went in one day and I was like, I was like, oh, I've heard about this genre named bluegrass. Like, well, you know, what can you tell me about it? And he was like, well, bring me your iPod. This is back when iPods were a thing, right. you know. And he's like, I still have mine. <laughs> I'll load up your iPod with all all this stuff and. And, uh, but at that time I was still just a guitar player, you know, and it wasn't until I was 19 in my first or second year in college at UVA in Charlottesville. And I started taking banjo lessons from Adam from Love Cannon. Oh, how cool. So he was, yeah, he was like my guy. first, yeah, my first banjo teacher. And one, honestly, one of the first players I really got to see like up close. And, and that's Adam Larrabee for Adam, people who are not. That's right. Adam Larrabee. Amazing musician, amazing banjo player, amazing composer, guitar player, and teacher. And uh, yeah, you know, his his style is so varied and diverse that it was kind of a crazy introduction to banjo, you know? Yeah, I'm really curious to hear all about 
like how he teaches and, and what he got you into because he's he does he plays bluegrass you know but he also has this extensive jazz and classical background mm-hmm. you know and so a lot of that informs the way he teaches and you know i i can't claim to to play in his style but one thing he did instill in me is sort of a more uh, you might call it like a literary approach to the banjo you know he just taught me he's like learn how to read tab you know learn a little bit about reading music and you know that really helped me as i you know struck out on my own banjo journey i was like reading buying books about banjos and i tried to just consume as much information as i could you know and i think that was not really the way i did it with guitar guitar was kind of more of just like a freewheeling (laughs) yeah playing by ear thing but banjo i really kind of i took a you know, a studious approach to it. I, I guess I never even heard what was it that made you want to to pick it up in the first place. You were already playing yeah, guitar. What, yeah, that's what made good, you dive you know, into that? <laughs> I wish I had like some uh, cool story about an epiphany. Or, but really, you know, I, I, I liked bluegrass and just kind of wanted to just diversify. And like, I noticed that a lot of bluegrass players play multiple instruments. Mm-hmm. And I'd been doing guitar for a while and I was like, this is fun, but you know, maybe I'll just pick it up as banjo up as like a side instrument or something, you know? Okay. And I did. And that's kind of how it remained for the first few years that I played, you know, it was just sort of something that I would bust out at a jam when there weren't, when there wasn't a banjo player or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I just started getting involved in these bands and in, in the Charlottesville area, mainly because there weren't that many banjo players, you know, hmm. I just kind of fell in love with it. You know, I got really into it and, were you taking a pretty straightforward bluegrass approach at, at that um, point? Or, or like, I, I don't know, maybe what are some of the, I guess, the players yeah, that you got I was, into and stuff? Yeah, totally. I mean, in, in high school, I was really into um, like the early formation of the String Dusters. Mm-hmm. That was, I'm still, I still love that band, but right. they were, you know, they were like a young band that brought like a youthful energy that excited me a lot. I love, I love Pandas playing. So they, they were you know influential but definitely when i started studying with adam he hipped me to a lot of cool stuff you know he's like check out noam bikelny check out you know leon hunt and and all these cool players and and i think once i then i moved to colorado in 20 and so i stopped studying with adam you know because i moved away and but i was also kind of getting more into the really traditional styles of of bluegrass banjo Mm -hmm. you know i was like going and listening to earl and jd and and also some more contemporary trad players like, you know, Ron Stewart and Sammy right. Sheeler and, and and a lot of that stuff, too. And, um, you know, more, I think those guys maybe more than anything, like, inspire the way I play in a band, you know, like the Wooks, for example. Right. You know, because a lot of it's pretty down the line, that, that bluegrass groove. And yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, w- I was going to make that observation that, like, for somebody who's first teacher was Adam and he's turning you on to Noam Pekelny and Leon Hunt. Like the way <laughs> right. you play doesn't necessarily reflect those beginnings, but yeah. that, that yeah, makes a lot totally. of sense to, to hear that you also went that direction. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And then, you know, somewhere along the way, I, I got really into old time music and I started learning Clawhammer banjo uh-huh. and that's a whole other universe, <laughs> yeah. you know, that is a totally different instrument basically yeah. or you know the right hand is but it, it's a banjo no in fact i'll i'll just do a brief sidebar yeah you're an you're an excellent claw hammer player too on something that was funny for me to experience was one of josh's tracks <laughs> that i got to record with him 
Three Finger, I've heard you perform with him playing Claw Hammer. Oh, right, yeah. So it's yeah. really interesting just to hear the difference. For sure. It's really cool. Yeah, totally. Is that fl- uh, Floating the Buffalo? Right, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, you play Claw Hammer on that one, I right? I think I do, yeah. I mean, when he when you showed that tune to me, you know, I, I'd heard a version that I guess you played on. I was like, that's killer, but, you know, maybe I'll, since there's already a great three-finger version, maybe I'll just <laughs> see what this other style has to offer, you know? And, and now when whenever I play a gig with Josh, I usually bring the claw hammer like to play just that one song yeah (laughs) or maybe we do one other one but um yeah i've started incorporating it in the looks a little bit and there might be a few tunes tonight that we play that we'll drop the thumb as they say cool it seems like you almost had two different types of upbringing the the progressive stuff that adam was teaching you for sure and then you got into the what you said, like Ron Stewart mm-hmm. and, and yeah, those more meat and potatoes yeah, kind yeah, of guys. For sure. If you could point to something that you've taken from each of those worlds that like you still use a lot, yeah. is, is there is there something that comes to mind? For sure. You know, one thing that I really like about a, a player like Ron Stewart is like he he plays like the most simple, powerful thing at the right time, hmm. you know. And it's always sort of like serving the song in a tasteful way, you know, and I'm, I'm really drawn to that. You know, I, I love the banjo, but I, I, I really love just the sound of bluegrass and that groove and the way the banjo fits into that, you know, and I'm also, I, I sing in most of the the groups that I play in too. So that, that forces me to approach the banjo in a slightly different way because, you know, there's a lot of complicated stuff happening in the right hand. And when I have to deliver a song, I'd try to like isolate what are the most important things about the role of the banjo in this particular tune and only do those things. Yeah, I wish so. there was um I know that's an awkward thing to ask you to demonstrate because it's it's more of a concept yeah. than a lick or a skill, but does anything Yeah, so you know, it one thing that I think about is what what am I doing in between a vocal phrase, you hmm. know, like um uh, what's the song? Like, uh, Girl of Mine in Tennessee, you know. Um, well, a long, long time ago when I left my home to roam down in the hills of Tennessee. You know, like putting a lick there. Yeah. And so sometimes I'll just like, maybe just be very lightly playing. Oops, sorry, hit the mic there. Be very lightly playing. And then in those spaces, I'll play a little more forward, you know, or hitting a lick like that to fill in that space mm-hmm. more so than trying to worry about like what role am I going to play through this whole verse while I'm also singing you know it tends to be more of a, a fill based approach but there are also roles that I can kind of keep going you know when... that's a that's a really useful one it feels very kind of it lines up nicely on the beats and just has that you know the roll flavor to it yeah like just enough syncopation to be interesting but yeah just establishes that that sound but you know getting back to what you know sort of the more progressive stuff i started out with you know i guess i play more trad now maybe than than i was trying to early on in my playing but there's moments of sort of more jammy improvisation in the set that the wooks do for example where some of those definitely non-trad concepts might come out, you know, like a triplet thing or a, yeah. 
more chromatic, melodic run kind of thing. Would you say that you're more drawn to a straight-ahead traditional approach than than you are, whatever, uh, a, a Gnome Pichelny I, sound I, for some I reason? I suppose maybe I am. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's not that I don't admire those and love those guys a lot, but yeah, I just kind of like that really powerful down the line sound, you know, and that that's kind of what we lean on in the Wooks a lot more. And so that tends to be, you know, what I, what I focus on, but I'm always trying to acquire new skills. You know, there, yeah. there was actually a period that I went through when I was living in Colorado where I was learning a lot of like fiddle tune arrangements and stuff like that. And, you know, that's where like a, a player like Gnome, his way of interpreting that would, you know, I might check that out, you know, cause he's kind of the, the key master. What do you mean that you were learning fiddle tune arrangements? You were you were writing your own, uh, like, you know, uh, just you know, like learning or? learning like a melodic version of a fiddle tune. Mm-hmm. You know that, that not like a Scruggs style. Okay. You know, like a Turkey in the Straw. You know, stuff like that, up the neck or whatever it is. And that was something you hadn't done b- before that? Ex- explored, no, like, those fiddle tunes? No, I, that was, like, honestly, like, what the stuff that I was into when I first started playing. Hmm. And um, a, a lot of that starts to bleed into the old-time world, where I also right. l- like to hang out and, and listen. And, uh, you know, when I first started playing bluegrass, I didn't really, I don't think I really knew the difference between old time and, and bluegrass. You know, mm-hmm. there are even some jams in, in Virginia where I would go and, and I'd be like, why is everyone just playing the, the melody? Like, <laughs> over and over. Yeah. But I, I was really enjoying right. it, you know, and I, I obviously came to realize that it's a different genre, you know, and there's different aesthetics. And, um, so, so I'm inclined to, to ask you more about your, three finger playing just because that's what i know but i don't know since you since you mentioned that maybe maybe go into what you see as like the yeah for a bluegrass player to come on and across an old time jam it is kind of weird but what what would you explain to them as being like (laughs) no you just don't appreciate this about it well what what is that thing i love i love how it's all about the groove you know and just the 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 collective sound you make it's it's not so much about trying to uh take a hot solo though that's that's cool in some settings but you know it, it's it's cool to kind of go into this trance zone and just like really lock in on on the gro- whatever you're doing in that tune to serve the groove and that's really fun you know yeah. i'm really into that and there's this whole other canon of tunes too that are you don't find in the bluegrass world and a lot of them have you know weird twists and turns you know and are and i love that too you know i All love the crooked ones you mean yeah like crooked yeah. tunes you know you're in a jam and, and this tune pops up and everyone's playing it and you're like this is crooked as all get out <laughs> but if you play for 10 minutes you got it you know yeah. and that's that's satisfying too except if you're anything like me then you promptly forget it yeah. <laughs> right before the next time you might right. have to play it and then you have to right. learn it again from totally. scratch. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, guess you got to keep at it, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. So what even took you to Colorado? Man, I kind of moved there on a whim. I'd been in Virginia for like almost 10 years and and I just like wanted to get out and I, I loved skiing and 
hiking and like obviously you know like everyone else who lives there but i was like <laughs> i'm just gonna go try and live in colorado and and i'd been out there to uh to rocky grass a few sure. times yeah and made some picking buddies and they were like oh you gotta come man like the scene's awesome like you know all these bands you know they're gonna want you to play and i was like okay cool yeah that sounds um, cool <laughs> is, is that where you live like around i lived in, Den in denver. denver okay yeah yeah and um i joined a few bands out there and you know it was it was super fun and uh yeah everyone thought i was like the super trad banjo player you hmm. know <laughs> it was really funny so and but they love there's a huge following of bluegrass in colorado like one of the most devout followings of anywhere in the country i would argue like there's just so much audience for it yeah it's funny that you say i was just lamenting earlier today that I, i've talked to people from out there and they say every night of the week you can find a jam to go to and often like a, a high level definitely jam. yeah um, yeah and that's just that we don't have that around here yeah yep it's it's a cool spot for sure but by comparison you were like this pretty yeah you know uh, zipped up kind I, well, of well <laughs> like i just you know they're like oh this is a banjo player you just came here from virginia you know and i was like you know, and a, a lot of the folks out there come from a different perspective on the music. You know, they that bands like Yonder and Salmon have opened the door to them. You know, sure. they might have been jam band fans, and then they heard a band like Yonder Salmon, and then got into it. Mm -hmm. You know, so they they have a lot of that like sort of free wheeling exploratory energy, which is awesome. But like, they also want to play like pig in a pen at 180 uh -huh. beats per minute you know <laughs> and uh so they they anyone who goes out there with sort of more of a trad background is like immediately welcomed in because they recognize that they're okay. like oh, they're, they they want to you know they want to sort of like learn about the, the more trad aspects of the music and okay so, so that was like actually a, a compliment for them to, totally. to identify you yeah. like that it wasn't uh absolutely yeah yeah no <laughs> okay yeah. I wasn't sure about that. Yeah. <laughs> so did you live there right up until you moved to Nashville? No. I actually lived in Brooklyn for a, a year. Oh, man, you bounced around yeah, quite a bit. I had a, a stint up there, and then I moved to Nashville okay. in May of 2020. I was just going to bring that up, because yeah. uh, seeing you on the live streams, I think that's how, always how they introduced <laughs> you, that you're the, the person who decided <laughs> to move to Nashville during the... Pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I had been thinking about it for a while before the pandemic hit. And then when it hit, it seemed like definitely the right time to get out of New York. <laughs> you know, it was so rough there. You know, that's really where the first wave hit. And sure. And right. it was like locked down to the max. But yeah, it just was the right time. And, and I, you know, I realized pretty quickly after moving to New York that I'm not a big city guy. Huh. Like it's it's just a little too hectic for me. I like to you know so hear, hear the birds. Chirping. Small town Nashville. Yeah, is, I would I wouldn't call it, but you know <laughs> it does have kind of a sort of the more outskirts areas where I live. Um, it definitely feels more like a small town. And you sure. don't have to. I, I'm kind of joking, but yeah, you don't have to drive very far to get to a a hiking place or something. Not really. Like it's not no, that big of a deal. Not at all. Yeah, cool. it's it's pretty cool. So by then you were obviously like committed to doing the music thing like yeah. as a as yeah, a living I, I mean i i think the only way i've been able to do that is because i play a pretty obscure instrument you know hmm. one banjo gig has just continuously led to the next banjo gig for for the last like eight or nine years or something um so 
I'm very lucky, you know. I do play some other instruments, you know, and I, I sing and I try to do other things in music besides just play banjo to be a little bit diverse. But. Well, yeah, I would I would love to talk to you about that then, especially because most of your Nashville existence has been under this pandemic yeah, umbrella. Like, for sure. what are some types of, for anyone out there who wants to go to Nashville and make it big as, as, a, as a banjo player, like, what are some skills that will help you land in town and have people notice Man. you and want to invite you and hire you to to play this instrument for them well you know being being highly skilled at your instrument is is probably the most important thing but it seems like a big thing that a lot of these successful musicians are doing these freelance guys and girls and whoever are uh have great self promotional skills hmm. and i mean that in like you know keeping the content coming on social media and stuff like that seems to really be something that a lot of these successful pickers are, are doing now and and uh, i kind of admit that i need to step my game up a little bit on that oh front. you and me both but uh you know things like having a a Patreon and having like a weekly video that you put out like really helps people just become aware of you. So that's definitely something that I notice a lot of successful national musicians doing. So you think that's a way to get noticed by people m more than maybe like, yeah, maybe not, maybe more so than being like the, the most virtuosic picker. Hmm. Although that's definitely important. And, uh, you know, also just being a, being a good hang, being willing to jump in on on various projects, you know, kind of, kind of just got to say yes to a lot of things, you know. Yeah. And I try to do that when I can. Is the Wooks your main gig it, at this it, point? It, it has been, yeah, for the last uh, you know year or something. We, you know, since we kind of came back from the pandemic, we've been we've been touring and and staying pretty busy. But you know, I I'm also a gun for hire in town down right. there. I jump in with other projects like Josh, for example, yeah. you know, and going out to California next week actually to do some gigs with Lori Lewis out there. I don't know. Oh, how if cool. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick how great. Patrick is unavailable for some reason. Pat Sauber? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Amazing player, man. Yeah. I've on like know, every instrument. Too. Oh yeah. Totally. Great, great player. I've been, you know, learning some of his breaks recently. I'm trying to, you know, oh, man. just like prepare. How's that going for you? It's good, man. He's got a, a really amazing trad banjo sensibility. I, huh. I really like the way he blends, and he's got great dynamics. And he, you know, he's an amazing banjo setup guy too. And his banjos always sound incredible. So, so how does some? I mean, going back to like, what does it take in Nashville to get noticed and get jobs? Lori Lewis hires you from yeah. California. How, well, do, how does somebody her, like that? Her uh, her booking agent currently um lives in nashville and he's a guy okay. i know a guy named jacob grootman um oh yeah great guitar I love jacob. player yeah. yeah yeah i'm sure you guys great. have run into each other yeah. so you know he was just she needed a sub for this like one run and you know she's like oh, there's no one in california anymore uh are there any banjo players in nashville and he's like i know this guy you know <laughs> there's so a few that, of them, yeah. that's kind of how, how it happens oh you that's know? great so yeah just like yeah being on the scene and going to picking parties going to shows and you know Folks, we are in a golden age of online instrument instruction, 
And at the top of that world is Peghead Nation. Peghead Nation has streaming video courses in banjo, guitar, mandolin, fiddle, dobro, upright bass, and ukulele. So you can learn bluegrass, old time, and plenty of other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in all of Roots music. Check out the courses they have and this is just for banjo you could get beginning or bluegrass banjo with bill evans Clawhammer banjo with evie laden wade ward style banjo with bruce molsky the banjo according to danny barnes and contemporary bluegrass banjo with wes corbett each of those courses include high quality video lessons downloadable notation and tab play along tracks and plenty of tunes and songs to play and the best thing yet is you're going to get your first month free just by being a listener of this show. So go to pegheadnation.com and use promo code PICKYFINGERS at checkout and claim your free month of the best instruction out there. And if you find yourself needing a banjo or accessories to get ready for those Peghead Nation courses, I highly recommend you check out Elderly Instruments, which is the world's most trusted source of new used and vintage stringed instruments, including banjos, guitars, violins, mandolins, ukuleles, all that stuff. They're going to have the best instruments you can find anywhere. And we're talking everything from the more affordable instruments for people starting out on up through the most highly sought after vintage instruments. Elderly Instruments has been family owned since 1972. And if you can't make it to their Lansing, Michigan showroom, you can see their full selection at elderly.com or give them a call at 517-372-7880 for some professional advice on all of your banjo and other stringed instrument needs. And you know what all these stringed instruments have in common? they all sound better with GHS Strings. GHS Strings is another sponsor of the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast, and I'm proud to say they have been made in Battle Creek, Michigan since 1974. And if you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll believe such people as J.D. Crow, Sonny Osborne, and Bela Fleck, just a few of the many, many users of GHS Strings. So go check them out, ghsstrings.com. They have a wide selection of gauged sets so that no matter what you're looking for, you'll be able to find something there. So let's talk a bit more like about your playing. So you've had all these different influences, the old time influence, the progressive, the bluegrass. How would you describe your style now and what sort of, are there any like particular skills that you rely on a lot for for whatever you would consider your style to be yeah you know i lately i've really been trying to improve my right hand you know and just oh yeah because i talk feel about that. yeah i feel like that's really for for straight ahead bluegrass which is i i would say pretty much is where my three finger banjo playing mainly lives that's kind of like what you got to do to to keep it steady mm-hmm. um I tend to rely a lot on a few different roles. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so, you know, I'd be happy to demonstrate anything you'd like, you know. All of this stuff. And I and I actually want to go back and, and hear about how you work on your right hand technique. But sure. if, you're, if you're talking about yeah. roles, we can Total. dive into that. I mean, so I mentioned singing and playing the banjo, but... But just the power of a forward roll is kind of just irresistible yeah. to me. Yeah. 
throwing a Scruggs lick in here and there. And I, I just use that all the time playing, playing backup and while I'm singing. And, you know, as far as my leads go, I, I'm, this is kind of like, again, where like the trying to sound like a guy like Ron Stewart comes in. I really just like want to play the most powerful version of the melody. Mm. You know, that's really all I want to do, you know, in a, in a bluegrass setting. I know um, I'm putting you on the spot, but is there sure. like a, a trad tune that you can maybe demonstrate how to like really just buckle it down and try to yeah, put, you know, put it in that forward roll type of context? Yeah, you know, so we just worked up this tune, like, in soundcheck, this tune up and down the mountain, you know, mm-hmm. where we like to do that sometimes, just, hey, what's a random bluegrass tune, you know, and I, I haven't, like, transcribed anyone's break on this, but, you know, I just might play something like... rusty right now but you know just trying to find those those melody notes you know and like how you might build a role around that mm-hmm. is something i'm really fascinated by you know and i think is one of the things that makes the banjo a, a unique and mysterious instrument you know so um that tune for example you know the first up and down the mountain we're just hanging there on that root note you know right you know that might be how i play that bit of the melody up and down the mountain you know kind of cheating there raising cane till the break of dawn you know something like that and so, that would be like your your solo break, that would not be my just solo, necessarily yeah. a kickoff or something like that. To, or I mean, it could be a kickoff. Yeah. yeah, I don't claim to be a great like Scruggs style player or you know interpreter of the melody, but that if someone wanted to know what I'm trying to sound like, that you know in a bluegrass setting, that might be how I would respond to that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of my approach. Let's go back to what you said about how you you've really been working on your right hand what sort of things do you do to improve your right hand and do you have a a goal in mind or just keep you know keep chipping away i try to practice with a metronome but mm-hmm. lately i've also been realizing that that's not the only thing you should do playing with other people regularly is really important because you need to be able not to be able to respond to someone who doesn't have like metronomic timing yeah. you know, nobody does really uh-huh. at the end of the day so playing with metronomes great but playing with other people is really important and i wish i could say i've arrived at like the perfect right hand technique <laughs> but it's all it seems to always be changing but um i was watching this video this like interview with alan mundy earlier today as a matter of fact and like he mentioned something about right hand position and he just said something to the effect of if you just take your right hand and you rest just the very tips of the picks on say the first third and fifth string Mm -hmm. that should kind of give you an idea of what your resting hand position should look like you know Hmm. and you know one thing i'm trying to do is increase my speed and I feel like in order to do that, I need to know like what is 
what is my resting position? What, where should my fingers come back to after they're moving? You know, because if you have erratic hand movements in your any of your right hands, it's going to increase the distance that the finger needs to travel to get to the the string. It's going to slow you down, okay, and make you not play as powerfully. You know, so, so that's I'm, something you actually think about is I'll, what your fingers are doing when you're not for sure striking it up. Yeah. And one thing I, I realized I was doing is my thumb was getting a little too, like, out away from the strings or something. Huh. And and also I think about how, like, my stance affects my right hand. Oh. Um, like, I have really long arms. <laughs> and, you know, I've noticed that, like, if I hold the banjo a little bit, like, if I turn my body a little bit to the left, so, like, it's like almost like my right shoulder is pointing more towards the audience i feel like that helps me me relax my right hand for some reason so it's just these like you know micro things it doesn't take much that you know can really make you feel more comfortable and so things like that you know as far as like exercises go you know like i try to run all the the rolls you know you got your alternating thumb roll is that what most people call that? I call it an alternating so. thumb roll. Yeah, or a square roll. A square roll. Yeah. You know, so put the metronome on and do that. And the forward reverse roll, you know. You know, and also there's permutations of that. Getting the fourth string involved. You know, that might be something I would do as a warm-up. And also, you know, the Foggy Mountain Breakdown Roll. On all the strings. You know, putting the metronome on and doing those things is always like a good warm-up for sure. But also, you know, not forgetting about the left hand either, you know, (laughs) because sometimes if my left hand, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about the right hand and then I don't warm up the left hand and then I think that it's my right hand which is dragging but it's actually the right, left right and you know I'm not hitting these frets with you know on a good angle and cleanly and that it, that really affects it too yeah, yeah. everything's just a work in progress <laughs> all the time all and, the time yeah. and yeah it's there's really no like point at which you you have to stop doing these fundamental things that's what I'm learning the further I get into the banjo (laughs) yeah me too it seems like at any given point i'm just like okay what do i feel the worst about my own playing i'll I'll work on that yeah yeah what am i what have i been flubbing lately what do you mind me asking what what it is you're working on these days a lot of the same thing note separation has been really big yeah for me lately like if i had to critique my own playing it's that Mm. i um i just don't have that crisp nice note separation that i would want to have I do this demonstration for people who ask about it. It's it's almost like there's timing, you know, so you could clap your hands in time, but uh-huh. you could but you could so you could play in time like this, but you could play like this. Yeah. Or you could play like this. And I'm going for this nice sharp. Yeah. And right now I feel like I my playing is more like I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh so hmm. it's kind of a weird way to demonstrate it, but Man. I think it gets the point across. What do you, uh, what do you think might be the culprit? I'm curious, because like, I, I sometimes feel like that about my own playing and want to know what I can do to make I think, it. I think a lot, uh, 
what I've been trying to be conscious of is a little bit of what you just said about maybe I've heard Ron Block talk about this a bit. Yeah. And so he's what better guy than that to take as an authority, I guess. For sure. Um, he, he kind of views the fingers almost like triggers, like they have this like firing motion to pick and then they go right back to that ready position, almost like what you were just saying. Definitely. Similar to Alan. Then another thing somebody recommended I try, which I have not worked on yet, is pick more with the tips of the pick rather uh-huh. than deeper into the pick because then there's more of a metal slide sure. along yeah. it. Definitely. And it's like this really daunting thing because I've been playing for quite a while now. Like, And so to to think that I have to relearn how my <laughs> fingers hit the strings is like a really scary thing. But well, man, I, I either want it or I don't. I you're guess. already playing great, man. You sound <laughs> great in the sound check. Banjo sounds killer. Thanks. But it's thanks. an endless yeah, journey so, for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So t- tell me more about the Wooks. Like if people aren't familiar with that band, how would, sure. you, how would you describe what you guys are up to and, and what? what that sound is all about or if there's like a yeah. philosophy within the band man i, <laughs> I wouldn't say there's much of a philosophy i mean for, as far as a, a description of the sound it we draw from some of that straight ahead bluegrass jd crow vibe but um our founding member cj is really into southern rock and mm-hmm. bands like the almond brothers and the band and Skinnered and stuff like that, and so he he writes songs that kind of have a bit of that flavor to them that yeah. we we play. You know, in the Wooks, there's we have some songs in what we call like the cut time groove. You know, which is like. Where I'm just kind of doing that the whole for most of the time, but you know, it can open up some cool rhythmic spaces and provides a little bit of variety from the, you know, bluegrass thing the whole time. Can't you hear the bullfrogs make you feel good inside? Gators are grunting and the fish are fixing the bite. Moonshine in the live oak tree. There's a hoot owl hollering for you and me. Come on, mama, show me something I ain't never seen. There's nothing in the world So that's definitely a part of the sound. And the band has a few lead vocalists now, which I think is cool. You know, me, Harry, Clark, and CJ Kane, we all sing leads at various times. Yeah, you guys and, all sound great. And it's, it's a real thanks. nice vocal sound. Thanks, man. Yeah. So, and, you and know, I will say, uh, sorry to, to interrupt, but oh, you're like, fine. definitely, I think most people, if they think they're going to see a band called The Wooks, they're expecting. <laughs> Uh, noodly <laughs> jamming, uh, yeah, dreadlocks. Not not that there's anything wrong with that, but I guess I'm just saying, you might you, your expectations might be uh, totally unfounded. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, we, you know, we like to keep people guessing. Um, the name is a a constant, uh, you know, point of contention. You oh know? yeah, which um, which side of the contention do you fall on? Well, you know, when I first joined the band, I was like. 
I was like maybe a little bit questioning of it, but that's because I didn't really know the 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 full story. There there is a story behind it, and feel free to tell it if you want. <laughs> if it's if it's an well, interesting one, I'll give you the short version. So the original banjo player of was this guy named Arthur Hancock. Okay, and he's he was a great banjo player. He unfortunately had to stop playing the banjo because he had a hand injury. Oh no! Um, but he plays guitar now in a band called Wolfpen Branch, hmm. and he's still a great songwriter and singer and still doing it. But, you know, he, I think he might have gotten the nickname The Wook at some point in his early life or high school or college just for being, a, you know, a hairy, hairier than usual party <laughs> guy. And, uh, you know, somehow it worked its way into his musical career and he just sort of embraced it at one point and was like, I'm The Wook. My band is called The Wooks. <laughs> and... And, you know, now it, I kind of uh, relish the the bucking of expectations that you uh, you mentioned earlier. And, right. and it's always kind of a funny moment in an interview. We, we sometimes uh, will come up with fake answers to that question. Like, it's a, it's a family name. <laughs> or, uh, you know, My, <laughs> it's just something. Or it's actually pronounced the, it's pronounced the wooks. You know? Yeah, <laughs> the wooks. <laughs> Um, so we have, we have fun with it and we've kind of just accepted it at this point Yeah, as silly as it is. That's cool. But you were, but at the point you were the new guy, so you didn't really have any power or authority right, to like, right. I had to, I was, changing the I was uninitiated, you know, and I had to earn my, my wook, wookdom. Wook cred. Wook yeah. cred. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Speaking um, of which, I'll see you in the green room later. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Well, let's talk about your instrument then. Sure. T t tell us what your main uh, axe is here. And of, of course, go through all the the nerd speak about all, okay, all the parts and the bridges sure. and the picks and the heads and, and um, anything like that. So this is a 2004, I believe, Huber Roanoke banjo. And it's walnut neck and walnut pot. or The resonator is walnut. The pot, I believe, is maple. Mm -hmm. And I think it's... Uh, I don't know what the ring is. I think it's a, a Huber vintage ring in there. Stainless steel frets, you know. The scale length is a slightly longer than a standard, which I am not crazy about, but I just, I love the sound of the banjo. Presto tailpiece. So, so wait, wait, hold on. Uh, you said it was a slightly longer scale length? Yeah. Wow, that's it's interesting. It's weird. I honestly didn't notice it when I bought it, but now huh. I have. It just... You know, it just means the frets are slightly further apart down the neck, which, right. is, which is not ideal. Like, I kind of wish it. I, I had my old scale length back, but the, I just think this neck sounds so good. And it does have a slight radius, which it, I was feel like I needed, but now I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man, that's, that's pretty much it. It's got a Huber head on it. Silvio Ferretti radius... Uh, five-eighths bridge i believe and um yeah i'm not i'm not a setup guru or or a gear guru but i have had a few banjos and this is i think the best sounding one i've had so far so uh, is there something about walnut banjos that you are uh yeah particular about or? i do like walnut i i think it's kind of like in between the brightness and volume of a maple but also has kind of that woody dry sound of a mahogany maybe mm -hmm. somewhere in the middle yeah and um 
the first banjo that I had was Walnut, and I just I think I've just gotten used to the way it responds at this point. Nice. And I'm not opposed to owning all kinds of banjos of all woods at <laughs> right. some point, but for for now it it's it's a cool sound. Yeah. What about you know we're we're here at the gig, we're a few feet from the stage. Yeah. Tell us about like your your <laughs> stage setup and, and yes, what you're using for that. For sure. So I have a, a Fishman Rare Earth pickup in this banjo that mm-hmm. runs into a Grace Design Felix preamp. And a lot of people will use the two channels to blend a mic and a pickup, but right now I'm just doing the pickup. Hmm. And I'm not crazy about it. <laughs> But it's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, the trying to make a banjo sound natural through a pickup is a, it's a challenge That's a nightmare. in and of itself. Yeah. And the old guys just played on mics. And sometimes I kind of wish we could all just go back to doing that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you also want to play gigs where people want to come and have a good time. And, you know, that can be a little noisier and you don't want to discourage the having of the good time. Um, so, so the we, pickup's just a good run pick, and gun yeah, kind of solution totally. for that. The Fishman, I think very highly of that. I've had, I have two Fishman pickups now, but the one I had before this, I had on my banjo for like eight years or more, and okay. it never broke once. It's just like a total bomb-proof thing. Yeah, and I tried other pickups, I really did, and and I had issues with them. But the the Fishman, you had issues with the durability or the sound. Uh, the the durability. Oh, as okay. Of fact, yeah. I don't want to like call anyone out, but I tried a few other ones and they they were not as uh, hardy. Not up to the Wook challenge. No, they couldn't handle the the Wook in <laughs> high impact, high velocity lifestyle. Yeah, the combat Wook zone. You know, spilled beer and you know all that. We actually have to wrap up soon. It's almost time to play, but I can't believe I forgot to ask you about your double banjo album. So, like, plug plug that real quick, because that sounds awesome. Sure, yeah. So, last summer, um, well, it was really actually the last two summers, uh, I made a twin banjo, uh, I guess you call it an EP, six tunes, with my good friend Ellery Marshall, who's mm-hmm. a great banjo player who lives up in Brooklyn. Yeah, is that from your Brooklyn days? You yep, were, you yeah, were we, buds with him? Yeah, we were friends up there, and we hung out and played banjos a lot, and Ellery's an amazing player. Um, you should totally have him on the podcast sometime. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, we both are into albums that have twin banjo on it. You know, um, for example, the my favorite is the uh, the Tony Trishka double banjo bluegrass. Yeah. Spectacular. Is that yeah. the full title? I think it's a yeah. mouthful. Spe- yeah. Something spectacular. Yeah, yeah. I think that album's a masterpiece. And uh, yeah, it's Ellery loves that one too. He's he also showed me this um, t- 
Tony Trishka and Tom Adams and Tony Furtado uh, record. Yeah, the rounder it's, extravaganza. That one's really good, Is too. Is that what it's called? Mate, yeah, I, I can't remember. Yeah. That one's killer. And we just, yeah, we love the sound of, of banjo. Do you harmony. have that original fiddle tunes for banjo? The um, Oh, right, yeah. Bill Keith and yeah, Bela. Yeah, that's another great one, too. Yeah, yeah there's lots of great examples. It's a killer sound. And so we just decided to make a little record and hire some of our favorite Brooklyn cats to play on it. And and uh, it's out there in the world now on all the streaming platforms. Do you have yeah. hard copies? I do. Okay. I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to get pick one later one tonight. I haven't... Uh, I haven't listened to it yet. What what approach did you take? I've heard I've heard different things about some people take like really matching the roles yeah. with each other, and some people maybe don't care as much about that as long as you're kind of nailing like the main melody. Totally. Notes. Uh, what, what what do you say about that? That's a great question. I mean we we tried to match the roles up as much as possible, and a lot of it comes down to just like playing a little idea up in inversion you know yeah um sometimes sometimes it's more complicated than that um but you know sometimes it gets tricky with the fifth string you know because you want to play the role but you don't want to have to like worry about fretting the fifth string yeah when you're like up up in inversion so sometimes like it's more important to have those just key melody notes that in harmony at the right time and there can be a little bit of you know, f- other filler that isn't like exactly a a third completely above, parallel yeah, or, whatever. or something. Yeah. And you know, there's also moments where we don't play in harmony, where we're like trading or you know, or something. Oh or, man, I'm excited to hear um, it. And there's also one that we do where I play claw hammer and he plays three finger, and you know, that's that's kind of got like uh, maybe slightly more loose and interpretive blend to it. She's a pretty bird, and she warbles as she flies. She never cries cuckoo till the fourth day of July. That's awesome. I'm so glad you guys did that. What a fun, yeah, what yeah. a fun project. Totally. <laughs> We're talking about doing another one someday. Oh man, you know. look out. Yeah, okay. Look out. We gotta wrap up, man. It's uh it's it's showtime. It is showtime. So thanks for squeezing this in, man. I know it was a little No, it's been really fun, Keith. We've been talking about doing it for a while and uh I yeah. know it didn't work out a couple times, but yeah. Here we are. Here we are. Thanks so much. Cheers. Thanks again for tuning in, folks. In order, the song clips that you heard this episode were Madison Chimes by The Wooks, Moon Man by The Infamous String Dusters, Sourwood Mountain by Ron Stewart, Mudfish Mama by The Wooks, and then two tracks by George Guthrie and Ellery Marshall, Cowboys and Indians, and then The Cuckoo. Special thanks again to Scott Wright, who is today's Patreon supporter of this episode. 
head over to patreon.com slash banjo podcast to find out how to support the show yourself. Plus, you can get these intro and outro tracks without this guy talking all over it and the banjo tablature to go with it. So head over there. Thanks for doing that. And I'll see you all next time, hopefully on Monday. <laughs>